we uh, break you off something. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you again for our country we live in, for the freedom. I pray for our hearts, sensitive ears, tender hearts, Lord, that you will have us to take in this lesson this evening, Lord. Uh, thank you again for being the Almighty God. Thank you for being in control. Thank you for your will. Lord, we sometimes we pray selfishly. We want things done yesterday, Lord, but we know that your will is paramount. And we thank you for that. I pray for my brother David, Lord, that you'll have the Holy Spirit speak to him and uh, have him, uh, the lessons that he's been preparing for, Lord, that he'll be able to, to uh, share with us. And I pray, Lord, for inside and I pray again for my heart to be uh, encouraged and, and uplifted with this. Thank you again for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Something pastor a second ago and said thankfully you're not going to hear me you're going to hear the holy spirit right <laughs> so no matter what i say he's going to decipher it and feed you with what he thinks that you need but there was some study so we're going to do the jesus walks on water it's going to be in mark 6 uh 45 through 52 Most of my notes would be in the New Living Translation, but so in uh, in forty two, what they all ate as much as they wanted, right? Forty three. Then afterward, the disciples picked up twelve baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of five thousand men and their families were fed. Verse forty five. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake. To Bethsaida, while well, he sent the people home. How many people? You think the disciples will be able to tell them to go home? There's just something about Jesus when he speaks. He's carrying some weight, doesn't it, huh? John McCarthy made a reference today that thing I've listened to. He said it could have been at least 20,000. You're standing here, and there's 20,000 people out there. And Jesus just says in this tone, it's time to go home. And that's all it took. Yeah. And they dispersed and went home, you know. Well, kind of. Because why? What do they want Jesus to do? Feed them again. And again. Right? Yeah. That's right. After telling everybody goodbye in verse 46, he went into the hills to pray to himself, to pray. Now, some people in verse 45, they had a misconception about following Jesus, right? They believe following Jesus and doing God's will is going to produce less problems, less storms, less trials, less troubles. In some ways, yes, some ways, no. Sometimes God will send you straight into a storm. So what did he say? Jesus insisted. Out of the same insistence that he gave the people, it's time to go home. Now, do you think the disciples, when everybody was saying, we want you to be king, right? We want you to be king. You said, well, time to go home. Okay. <laughs> no, hey, hey. This was good stuff. We want you to be king. And you're going to stick around. 
and be king. Probably rather vocal. So the disciples, he said, everybody into the boat. Go to Bethsaida across the sea, you know, across the lakes, what they say. Now, why do they call it a lake? Well, you know it's the Sea of Galilee, right? Well, I don't see many seas that I consider a lake. It's not that big. It's right. The uh, the technical definition of the sea is it has to have an opening to the ocean. Okay. It's nothing to do with the size. That's to do with its access to it. But in the atlas, when I look at it, it says Sea of Galilee. And it still says Sea of Galilee. In parentheses, it says what? Gennesaret, right? Lake of Gennesaret. So that's why everyone is going to say the lake. Where I'm going to say it's Sea of Galilee. Because all your stories are Sea of Galilee. I've never heard a story about the Lake of Garret and Jenna Garret. Have you? No. no, doesn't make any sense. Now to kind of give you a little heads up. So here's the Sea of Galilee and all the pink on the left-hand side is called the Valley of Genegaret. So the entire Eastern side is the Valley. Okay, that, that'll be some kind of help you as we get later on in these verses. So he told the guys to get into the boat and he sent the people home. Why did he say get into the boat? Why not? Hey, let's everybody go up on the mountain and, and pray. Let's all just take a break together and pray. Let's all just take a break together, guys. We haven't taken a break in a while now at all. And actually, you guys got baskets, but you probably haven't even eaten yet. You just picked up the baskets. I don't see where it just said they sat down and ate. I mean, you just got through feeding 20,000 people. It wasn't much time for sitting down and eating. And plus, you just saw this miracle of the feeding of 5,000. Kind of mind-blowing, a little taxing on the brain, you know? <clears throat> and then you have these people wanting to be king. Hey, that's up your alley. Because that's what you were looking for to begin with. Okay, everybody in the boat, get out of here across the lake. I'm going to tell these people to go home. That's a lot of stuff to think about. And I thought we were going in the direction that I thought we was going to go into. Finally, King, hey, uh, dispensed that, told people to go home, and told us to get on the boat and go across the lake. Well, sometimes. God, when he tells you to get in a boat and go across a lake and he insists that you head in a certain direction is to what? Get involved with ministry. Get involved maybe with something you're uncomfortable to do. Make a certain decision that he knows is going to lead you directly into the middle of a massive storm. Had that any time in your life, and it's a storm that you could probably never handle by yourself. 
just a mind-blowing, roll like crazy, going nowhere. All the currents are against you. You're supposed to get over here to what Mark says, Bethesda. You're not getting any closer, but you're rowing for hours. In life, Lord sends you into a massive storm. He insists that you go that way. But you know, he does that. And he says, see ya. Man has eyes on you the whole time. He knows your GPS coordinates the entire time. And he knows exactly what the elements are doing at that moment. He knows your physical strength, your mental strength. He knows your provisions. He knows who's around you, what's going on. It's almost like he has control over every molecule of the situation. Almost. <laughs> and the workings of every molecule. That's crazy. Yeah? That's your God. John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. So that sounds like a promise. Take heart. What? I have overcome the world. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will have an easy street. <laughs> will suffer persecution. That doesn't sound like a very easy life. Sounds like two distinct promises that it's going to be tough. It's the way this world is. Not very popular. So in 40, verse 46, after telling everybody goodbye in a tone that only the Lord could tell the people. <laughs> He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Don't you think he would have just gotten the boat too? Got out of there? That's probably why he sent him ahead, so he'd be alone to pray. He's not been alone a whole lot, had he? No. Remember, Jesus just miraculously fed about 20,000 people. With five loaves of bread, two fish, he gathered to see and he hear him, right? According to John, this miracle was so impressive that the crowd wanted to make Jesus their king. But instead, Jesus dismissed the disciples and the crowd and decided to spend some time alone in prayer to his heavenly father. He had an earthly opportunity to be king. You remember any time before that Jesus was given that temptation? Again, right? And I'll, I'll give you all this. All you got to do is people already want you to be king. Just say, sure, I'll be your king. You'll have all this. You'll be king over nobody because the Romans are already there. So another deceptive lie by Satan that you can have all this in life if you'll only do this one sin. And then the rug's pulled out from under you and you're left with nothing 
right? In Matthew 4, 8, right, the devil took Jesus to a peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you. You kneel down and worship me. Just as he offered the kingdoms to Jesus in the wilderness, now the devil is offering him the same thing cloaked in the voices of the people. Temptations come in different variations and different sources. Same temptation. Maybe if, uh, maybe if your friends can't tempt you into this sin, maybe family can tempt you into this sin. <laughs> You know, when we were studying this in John, uh, it struck me that this is the only miracle, aside from the resurrection, the only miracle in all four Gospels. That right. makes this one really, really special for some reason. And, and asking myself why that is, I think what you just said hits on it. That this was the pinnacle of his popularity. And also, I won't say the greatest temptation, but one of the greatest moments of temptation he faced. I believe that. Silver platter time one. But it wasn't, I mean, the devil wasn't there, like you say, as it was in the wilderness at the beginning. But this is it's sort of like there's that massive temptation there in the wilderness. There's this right in the middle, and then there's the ultimate temptation in the garden, the cross. But this is this was a huge moment of temptation. I think that's why he dismissed the crowd so suddenly, so quickly and abruptly with John and his disciples to send everybody away. I've got a retreat. So if that's the case, Quick. which I think it is, his example of retreating to the Father, spending time with him alone to get his thoughts right, his mind right, his heart right, is a powerful. Isn't it interesting to see how the Holy Spirit uh, inspired these writers to write, to write this down about him going to prayer? You know, I, I find that interesting too. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be very easy to overlook that, you know, right. about the very important things that the Holy Spirit inspired, inspired these different writers to write, to write about that. Oh, that's that's very important. Prayer, unless you mark, because he's always in a hurry, right? <laughs> I mean, some things Mark's like, okay, this happened, and this happened, we're out of here. And John's like, okay, this happened with all these details. This is why it happened. Mark doesn't seem to be doing that, does he? He's he's on the move. He's quick. Yep. A lot faster than we are. <laughs> knowing god's will for your life is essential right when you know god's will for your life then you know when to say no in your life how do we know god's will for us any examples if i hand you a note describing you how i want you to build my house Small note. Big house. Detailed house. Expensive house. Okay. I got the money. This is how I want you to build. And you're going to take that note and you're going to go build a house. And you yourself are going to figure out every detail 
and every little bitty doorknob and everything in my house, right? From that little note. Or are you going to come back and talk to me face to face and make sure you've got every detail pinned down before you build my house? You have the word, right? God's giving you the word. But how do you get every detail? How do you get the understanding that you need to follow these instructions? You got to talk to the author. That's what face to face. Like Jesus. You got to say, like you said, retreat and talk and talk to him face to face. That's how you do it. An apparition in front of me? No. Those are usually a lie. Just talk to the Father and ask him what the details are in this situation and talk it out. Especially when you're under serious, serious conviction to go in one direction because Jesus knew he was going to die, right? He knew he was going to be crucified. What's the problem in taking this little detour to be king? Because prophets already said that he's going to die in the end, right? What would be the problem with uh, being king a little bit? Get a little perks. Like, hey, he didn't have a whole lot of perks going on. Son of man had nowhere to lay his head. Right? Still didn't get it, did they? Still didn't get it. After he's seen all these miracles and things, and I'm sure it would be frustrating, frustrating, even though Jesus didn't show it most of the time. So he's probably praying for himself. This was his release, too. They're also praying for these disciples. Because they're going to be the future. That's, That's the future. That's the future of the church. That uh, the church is, is going to hinge, so to speak, on these on these men. That's a lesson for us today because the church depends on the young folks just coming up. That's why it's so important for us to <coughs> teach them, to nurture them, to bring them up in the mission. They learn the whole Jesus because. If we don't, I mean, they, they possibly could get it, but they need to get it from the local, their local church or their local team. Luke 47, right? Let's see, 647. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake. Jesus was alone on the land. He saw they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. Jesus knows about your storm. How do I know Jesus knows about my storms? Because these dudes were in the middle of the lake. You, I mean, do you see a little oddness there? And these guys are in the middle of the lake. And Jesus saw that they were having problems and they were rowing hard and stuff. You kidding me? It's a long way out there. 
looks like he's God. Right? It's almost like he's God. You're never out of God's sight, are you? The Lord is aware of your situation even before it happens. He remains in control of the situation every moment. The storm the disciples were in is what? Hands. Though he was too far away to physically see the boat, through the stormy darkness, Jesus always knew their precise GPS location, the omniscience of God, his ability to see and know everything is unlimited in its scope and universal in its sight. Second, if you, if you think about it, this, it says this, this storm is a big storm, a fierce storm. I had, we went up to Canada one time fished, and we had no boat, boat and had no motor. We couldn't get the motor started. So Warner says, that's all right. We were in a little inland. He says, I'll paddle us out to the main water, and then, and then we can fish. He paddled for about an hour, and I bet we wasn't out fishing. Right. I mean, uh, because... Because the, the waves kept beating, right. beating back. Now, leave me in here, you haven't read it. Gotcha. But they've been, they've been paddling about six hours. Yeah. They possibly had some type of light on this. <coughs> so Jesus may have been able to see them physically because he was up on the top of this mountain. Have you ever been up on the top of this mountain? We used, you, we used to up on this mountain up here with the school with all that was wood and run rabbits. And I remember sitting up there at midnight, my grandfather, and watching that live over there at the airport. So you can see a lot, a small lot, a very long way off. Yeah, you, you know, a small lot, a very long way off. <clears throat> the, whole, the Holy Spirit is the one that calls this man. And their struggles mm -hmm. and things like that. So it so it's possible that uh, Jesus could actually physically see where they were at. I believe. How far across the the lake is? It? How many miles it's across the eight lake? Miles. It's about eight miles. Yeah. About eight miles. Okay. Yeah. So there's so up there about the middle four lake, so four miles away. It's still a long way, but I think, like what Larry said, I'm, I'm just, thinking, I'm just speculating. You know, it's well, very possible to see. Verse 48 says he saw the disciples straining at shore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He goes on to say because the wind was against them. So that's one of the big reasons. That's hard to. They weren't making much headway. I've been out in the lake with a canoe and the wind is just about making it possible to get back to your car. It's just yeah. not a head hard, but it's just a breeze. Blow you off. Yeah. So, yeah, we can't, we can't deny uh, God is God or Jesus as God. No, absolutely. Just lose either one. No. Like you said, because yeah, the most <laughs> big, big storms and the waves are raging and everything, I usually can't see out there four miles. <laughs> yeah. The Lord can. Yes, yeah. he can. You know, and he can in our situations too, right? Second Chronicles 16.9, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those 
whose hearts are fully committed to him. Second Chronicles 16, 9. Pastor likes Psalms, so I had to put some Psalms in here. 139, 7 yeah. to 10, right? Yeah. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Sometimes even when we don't want to be guided, his hand has a way of guiding us. Just like these disciples. Maybe they didn't want to get on the boat, but he said get on the boat and everything was perfectly as the Lord intended. Going into the big storm was exactly what they needed. We'll see why. Doesn't, doesn't make sense that he'd put you into a big storm for your own benefit. The omniscient Jesus had not abandoned his disciples to the storm. He knew exactly where they were and how he would deliver them, right? Just like every time you go into a storm, God's already got it figured out. Because he designed it all and through his power. And after you've learned whatever you need to learn, you'll be delivered through his power. What is it that you have to learn when you're going through a storm? Trust in him. Trust in him. Trust in him. You're never out of his sight, right? Let God be God. You're never out of his sight. You're never out of God's reach. God's reach in verse 48. About three o'clock in the morning, what the New Living Translation says. I think some of the other ones say early morning, something like that. Jesus came toward them walking on the water. You think he was on the land alone. They were in a boat in the middle of a raging lake. Couldn't get anywhere. You're out of God's reach. Circumstances. How's God going to get to me and help me with this? <clears throat> so Jesus just walked on the water. Hmm. Yeah. It would seem they were out of Jesus' reach, right? He just walked right out to them. They did not know that Jesus was watching them. They did not know that Jesus was already <laughs> heading toward them in their dire time of need. Jesus was already on the way. Walking toward them as God himself can. Sometimes we are so focused on the storm, the rowing, just trying to get through the waves that we're not aware that Jesus has been watching us, that he designed this, waiting for the right time to show up, and that the whole time he was already on his way to help us. I don't know if anybody's going through anything like that right now, but he's on his way if you're his child. Jesus is walking on the water coming toward him. This is a true miracle because Jesus walking on top of the water, demonstrating his power over nature, 
in his own true nature as God. In the Old Testament, only God walked on the water and had power over the sea. In Job 9, 8. Anybody find that pretty quick? Job 9, 8. I can say it, and I can say that I got it. Too alone, it stretches out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea. He makes the bear and the lion and the Pleiades to the chamber. So by doing this miracle, Jesus was demonstrating once again that he was God in the flesh. Right? Wasn't a prophet. Wasn't a minor prophet of Muhammad, I don't believe. He was God in the flesh. Yes, sir. This whole happens. He's my God. He's my Savior. I can rest assured in that. You're never out of God's reach. Mark six forty eight. Okay. He saw. He saw that they're in serious trouble. He came to them. And then what? What's the next part of that verse? He went about to pass by them. He intended to go past them. Why would Mark say that? I mean, I'm here and Jesus is coming and he intended to go past them. Okay. I've went through this before never really focused on the part where it says and he intended to go past them you're right I mean like hey 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 well if Jesus walked toward him I obviously knew where he was wasn't going to walk past him so okay in English, okay, so now we have to go into the Greek, which is a good thing you have e-sword on your computer. <laughs> so in English, the phrase intended to go past them means obviously that. Like you said, he he was testing them. He was going to just go past them. But in the Greek, in the original readers, it carries this special, special force. It signals a rare but powerful revelation of God, like the one in Exodus 33:22, Mount Sinai, when the Lord passed by. All right. And Elijah in 1 Kings 19:11, again at Mount Horeb, the Lord revealed his presence to Elijah by passing by. When God would pass by someone, it meant that God was showing up to reveal himself to them. We say something like this, right? I'm going to go by your house after work. I'm going to pass by your house. Does that mean I'm going to pass by your house? That doesn't make any sense, does it? 
I'm going to stop at your house, do what needs to be done, get what I need, give you what you need, whatever. That's what it's saying here. So when Mark says that he intended to go past them, God showing up to reveal himself, he would say, pass by. We would say something very similar like that about the house. Phrase pass by is very similar when used to refer to God passing by. Jesus is going to pass by in order to reveal something about himself. He's going to pass by to visit the disciples with some massive truth about who he is. That's the passing by. <clears throat> Pastor, do you have any interjection here? No, I think that, that I was thinking that the time when we go through doubts like that and struggles and the Lord comes by, we usually learn more about him in those kind of problems times. Then, and that's kind of what the note is saying here. He would come alongside. John says that they he want to see if they'd recognize him, but I think the fact that they didn't recognize him was because it's dark. I mean, it was really dark. Got freaked out then. Yeah. And uh, I, I think you're right. So, so it probably wasn't a glowing figure. No, no. I, <laughs> No, 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 when it said they thought he was a ghost, yeah. I always think the ghost is cast. Oh, okay. Maybe it's just the time that we live. Well, let me jump ahead to the verse that Larry's at. <laughs> <laughs> and we were discussing that when we were discussing that at home. I was telling Nina. You know, if we're sitting here with the lights down watching a movie and this dude just kind of floats through the living room, I'd have a problem with it. Even, even a shadow. Yeah. You know? I mean, even a shadow. We didn't sit, you, you mentioned that. We had bats flying in that top room. We had that top room yet. We had bats flying and land on the first. You don't oh, see them, but you see that shadow that comes, <laughs> that comes in. That, <laughs> It'd be a bit much, wouldn't it? Well, you said walking out the woods when it was dark. You couldn't even see the water. You have to get on your hands and knees. I remember you saw the passport. If it's like that, yeah, you know, we'll see a galley in the middle of the night and something's coming by, it's kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Walking yeah. on the water. You know, so many people walking on the water. <laughs> Not very often. No. It's rare. Yeah. Pretty rare. <laughs> but you're right. It could have been like, it's a clean you know, something, David, that struck me here is <clears throat> not only not only is walking on the water, which we emphasize a lot, but the wind seems to not bother me at all. Yeah. Because, again, going back to the boat, thinking, thinking through the boat, how hard it is to, um, when you're in a boat, to work against the wind. Well, that would have been true, should have been true for the Lord, too. Exactly. Anything that's buoyant, that's going to float in the water like that, is going to it's going to be subject to wind, regardless of what it is. But he's not. They're struggling against the wind, but it doesn't seem to bother him at all. He just cruises right along on that liquid water, impervious yeah. to all that resistance. Let's say he had his head down, pushing, pushing against sunk. it with his hair blowing. <laughs> I was pushing toward that. I was, that's why I asked Pastor for his. Uh, 
interpretation of that because wrote here that Jesus intended to reveal himself to them as the I am. That's why I thought about Moses being passed by life because he is the I am. And even though Mark might not have known that at the time, the Holy Spirit told him to write that down. He was passing by. He was the I am. Walking on in the storm. In verse 49, Larry's verse is what I have in parentheses here. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. 50. They were all terrified when they saw him. <coughs> Had to look it up just because we all know what a ghost is, but I want to get some information. Word ghost, phantasma, from which we get our word phantom, refers to an apparition of some type. Now, you got to give these guys a little bit of lenience because historically in that time, it's popular superstition that many believed was that spirits of the night brought disaster. Middle of the morning. <clears throat> you haven't had a lot of rest since yesterday morning. You got a lot on your minds. Mind blown from the miracle of the 5,000. Possibility that the Lord was going to be king over these people now. Maybe a little easier time for yourself. Then you've been rowing, like Larry said, for four or five hours straight, yelling, screaming, hollering, water's coming over your boat. You're going nowhere. It doesn't look like you're ever going to go anywhere. But if you stop doing what you're doing, you're definitely going to sink. Disciples assume the worst. I think their hearts were a little bit rebellious at that time. They Very. Fully where they needed to be. And I think they, Jesus was testing them at that point. And then as they, you know, as he wanted to reveal who he was as the great I am, I think he, you know, and he approached, they should have, if their, if their hearts had been right and if they had, to, if they had, Really recognized the miracles that he had already, you know, the the, the the loaves, you know, the feeding of the people, they would have recognized him. And I think that because of their hearts Still not didn't. being pure and, and right. where it needed to be, they didn't recognize him for that reason. You're right. They yeah. still did not. Yeah. It was evident. Yeah, you said over and over again, if you keep doing stuff, guys, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. And they just don't seem to get it until after. The resurrection. Oh, yeah. And then the five, yes, exactly. Right. And the Holy Spirit comes right. on, and then it's like, bing, a lot of blood. Yes. Yeah. We, we sit here and read this going, come on, guys, can't you see this? We're not in their shoes. And I'm not taking up right. nothing, but we're not in their shoes. So even though, I mean, we say, oh, my gosh, you see all these miracles, especially when he turned water to wine, his very first miracle. But it's over and over and over again. He still keeps saying, I can see he gets an eye roll. You know, don't you guys get this? Don't you guys get this? But see, what's really amazing is he knew their hearts and he understood why they didn't get it. So that was spirit after the resurrection again. Like I said, the Holy Spirit hit scene in this life. That's why the Holy Spirit is so, so important in our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, how long will it take? Sometimes I don't get it. 
you know, yeah, I, when I should, should right. be strong in my faith, and I just think, you but know, that's not meaning the whole spirit's oh, not working on faith. Yeah, I, I know, but it, I feel like at a lot of times I, I should have, yeah. you know, I know, I know who God is, you know, I should have the faith to get through things without being, you know, such a big whiny baby about it, you know, yeah. but I, I still have those times where, you, understand that. you know, I'm a big whiny baby about it, and I go kicking and screaming. We all do. We've kicked and screamed since we've come out of the womb. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing, though, that, that knowing what we know, that we're not, you know, we don't, we don't have better faith. We don't have, you know, we don't, uh, it just seems to me like, I get mad at myself for things like that. Mm -hmm. Times whenever I know I, you know, I didn't have faith and I should have. Mm -hmm. I just waited, you know. If I had just had better faith, then. But. Jesus predicted that when he said, did things. He said, "You don't understand this now." Mm -hmm. That's a good question. How how long will it take each one of us to realize who Jesus is? But anybody should. I think we'll take a eternity. You're right. We're not. We're not there yet. No. Right. I mean, they had it better than anybody because they actually walked with him. I, I get it, but it's a slight favor. I mean, Pharisees were hard-hearted. Yeah. What you said. I mean, we don't. We don't. We don't realize it now. Like Pastor just said, it's going to take eternity. The flip side, you know, because we wrestled the same thing with John, right? How can they keep it quiet? But. You got a man standing before you and around you who is just like every other person. And he was not, he was not the, the vision that Hollywood puts out there, the big ball, you know, uh, big presence, yeah, piercing eyes. This, this sort of almost almost this gate sort of this, you know. He there was scripture only says there's nothing in his appearance that right. He, he may have even been a little bit bald. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Just, <laughs> don't, just, we don't, yeah. we don't think that was not a joke, though, David. Maybe hope for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> my point is that, that you know, that Jesus, and, and this is another thing, so all four gospels, all four gospels record that saying a prophet has no longer accepted in his hometown. Like Jesus said, so it was it apparently, it was a different context. Apparently, it was a common problem. He would just say that sometimes, probably under his breath. And sure. Would hear it. And, 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 and just the point of that is we get familiar with people and it's us just for my narcissist age, it's, you know, whatever we joke about, you know, and somebody like that, somebody that you're used to says something profound, sometimes it's easy to just. Downplay the truth of what they say just because of who they are. Mm -hmm. and, and, but, but it just it shows, unlike the art in Hollywood or the art in the Catholic Church or Eastern Orthodox Church, whatever, that show him as this, you know, blowing. So you're right, Rick. I mean, we give down the road, but we didn't have a hard time. You know, maybe he changed, doesn't it? You know, we give Peter a hard time for denying. You know, it's probably different. His name was scared. He was, he was absolutely scared. He knew what was ahead of him. He was, he was announced, tries to say, yes, I am him. That's why I think that he, a lot
again, and I know we've said this, but many of you took and worship brother, and Jesus was, I think Jesus was looking right at it. Yes. So, but anyway, <laughs> we're not in their shoes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You've been reading the hand yet? <laughs> You've been reading the hand? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. So they cried out in terror, right? Terror, terrified. Terrasso means to throw into a panic or to strike with dread. Or you're afraid of the storm, right? And then like Larry said, you see the shadow coming towards you. You're dead tired, mind blown. That's almost too much. Have any of you found yourself in that position? in life there's really not one more thing you can take in the middle of your storm but there is that he can take right jesus said three things in the next verse right we're in this verse actually they're all terrified in verse 50 jesus spoke to them right don't be afraid take courage I am here. Don't be afraid. Even though the disciples hadn't learned it yet, but they were learning and they would eventually get there not to be afraid in any situation in life. Why? Because somebody has already designed it and it is for your good and your growth. Everything. Pretty much everything. So he's already in control of it. There's no reason to be afraid because it's all designed and you're his child. Take courage, which is Tharsio, Pastor, I guess, Greek, means to be brave or to be of good cheer. Tell you what, in the middle of a storm going on like that, and you see Jesus, that would give you something to be cheerful about. Right? If, you if you recognize him. Then Jesus says, I am here. But he already said, don't be afraid, take courage. Why would he say, I am here? It's a significant statement. We don't see it clearly in English, but in Greek, it doesn't say I am here in the Greek. Jesus in the Greek says, I am. And that's where it stops. I am is here. Not just the person that they're trying to wrap their mind around, but God himself is here. And he put that last. Be of good cheer, right? Don't be afraid. The I am is here now. Wow. John 8, 58, right? The Pharisees, when he said, I tell you the truth before Abraham was even born, I am. This is the same I am that we're talking about. He's the same title with the disciples in the boat, right? He's identifying himself.
to his troubled disciples by letting them know that he is able to be everything that they needed him to be in their distress. And he's able to be everything that you need in your distress because he is the I am. How long is it going to take us to figure that out faster? Yeah. Eternity, right? Yeah. Eternity. I think this also touches on something the pastor said this morning that Jesus says, don't be afraid, take courage. So dispel the fear, you know, replace it with courage. It's like the pastor was saying this morning, you know, if you're, if you're a thief, not only stop stealing, but replace that with giving. Mm -hmm. That's good. In um, Exodus 3, 14, it says that God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus, you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Mm -hmm. Verse 51. What? The guy said, oh, no, we don't, don't come in the boat. No, after they heard that, they said, Jesus, we need you in the boat, right? Mark's very, very concise. He doesn't take a whole lot of words. He doesn't really say what's going on or what anybody even said. He said, then he climbed into the boat. And the wind stopped. Jesus say, peace, be still. No. He climbed in the boat, stopped. Wind's blowing, waves are crashing, water splashing into the boat, boats rocking, men are rowing, screaming, hollering, hanging on. Jesus walks across to the lake onto the water, right? On the water. The men panic, they think he's a ghost. Jesus stops near the boat, gives them an encouraging word. Mark, Mark kind of missed all that. Right? I mean, he said it, but he could have he could have summed it up to that right there, and then said that Jesus climbed in the boat and the wind stopped. Now he just said, climbed in the boat, wind stopped. On to the next verse, right, Mark? And that's the way Mark is. That's pretty concise. Reality is when Jesus was on the land, he could have spoken to the storm to stop. Right? We're not even allowed the storm to start. Told the dudes just to jump on the boat and row to the other side, eight miles. Why'd the storm even show up? Why does your storm show up? My storms. He learned something, don't we, Pat? Yeah. <laughs> There's something to be learned. There's some growth we to be growth to be had somehow. Something's blocking your way to growth. And this storm's gonna help you overcome it. If you what? Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer and realize who he is. David and Matthew. Takes a little bit step, a little bit further. I don't know if you're going to go into this. No, I can scratch that. I go ahead. <laughs> no. It says, it says uh, when they cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately said, he, he's taking words out of Mark, I'm sure. He said to them, Take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. And 
the, the mouth of the group, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, tell me that I can come on the water. He says, come. Jesus directly tells him to come. He said, then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Is that a picture of us? When we get into storms, we say we have the faith. We say we have the courage. But when we take our eyes off Jesus, we sink. Picture of you, yeah. Then it says immediately Jesus reached out his hand and called him and said, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? That's a lesson right there. And that's not a picture of us, is it? Matthew? Picture of Rick, maybe. <laughs> it is a picture of me. Not a picture of you, is it, Pete? No. Rick has some room to grow, doesn't he? It is me, right? It is. It is. John, Every John time. Details that, um, he, he doesn't actually say the wind stopped. It says in verse John 6 1. So they were willing to receive him in the boat. And immediately the boat was at the land which they were going to do. So that's another miracle yeah. as well. So not only did Jesus walk on water, but Peter did the same. Mm -hmm. When we got on the boat, the wind stopped and they were going to go right True. Wow. Despite all the headwinds, they got their time. You know, and that was, this is another avenue that Jesus shows that he is God. Because I think he's the only one that had power over nature. Mm -hmm. he, didn't, he didn't give that power to his disciples or anyone else to stop the natural things. They have power to heal the sick and right. cast out demons and uh, raise the dead, even. But as far as power over nature, I can't remember. Over elements. Yeah, I can't remember. He kept that, he kept that to himself. And this, this right here proves and should prove to them because I'm sure they in the Old Testament. And, uh, and the power of God over nature and things like that that we looked at before. So that was just another, another proof that he was God. So right after this, right after this light bulb came on. <laughs> Maybe for a second. You know, because because when, when our trials come, you know, when our trials come, we can see God and prayer, we recognize it's God, you know, and we're all, we're all good, but then it's not too far down the road. Can, get comfortable again. You know, you can. It's real cool what John said in 621. Ask Pete. All right, I'll go to the next <laughs> note. <laughs> Is it possible that God allows certain storms to come in your life in order to teach you what you need to know? Is it possible that God allows storms in your life in order to get you where you need to go? Like Pete just said, right? John said immediately, immediately, they were in the middle of the lake rowing. Jesus steps in the boat immediately. They're on the other side. What? And the light bulb still didn't come on. <laughs> Well, what about Peter walking on the water? So God allows storms in your life in order to get you where you need to go. Following Jesus and becoming more like Jesus is not just prayer and Bible study 
It involves what God teaches you in the middle of the storm. When you sit down to read your Bible, you expect to hear from God, right? When you pray, you expect to hear from God, right? But when you're in the middle of a storm, you expect to hear from God, right? And you will if you read the word. And you will. Well, what do we always pray for? Wills? I mean, uh, Fifty-one. It says, "What they were totally amazed. How many times in my life has God came in a big boom and fixed the problem? Wah! And it's dull. And then the next problem shows up. I'm afraid. I'm not of good cheer. And I forgot who he was." <laughs> but I can, but I can get on these disciples for not figuring this out, right? And he's going to show. I know, as my father, he's going to show up again and do the exact same thing. He's going to show up, say, "Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. I've got it. I am. Boom! It's fixed again. I'm amazed. I'm complacent. I'm comfortable. Next one shows up." I'm afraid, not a good job. See, it's a bad loop. So it's easy to get on the disciples, but man, I do that myself. We should be growing through the ever, ever struggle that we go through. Should be a growth. And uh, we see God working in it, whether it's, whether it's the way we want to see it or not. We should be growing, and our faith should be growing to where we trust and Trusting him more and more. You know, we shouldn't stay at that one level all the time. Sure. It should be a sure. gradual, a gradual pro process. You will grow. Uh, sometimes it's processed downward. You got some valleys and hills. It should be, uh, you know, when we get uh, to a ripe old age, um, we're not going to be perfect, but that's that's when we can really witness. Witness the younger believers and, and the struggles that we went through when we were younger. We can share. You know, he's gonna have a lot to share. <laughs> a year <laughs> worth of no water. You know that struggle I and mean, how God has met met. We believe he's gonna meet that need one way or the other. It's it's gonna happen. That shower probably lasts about two hours on the yeah. <laughs> the longest shower you ever take, took, man. Everyone else can get a check. 
Yeah. I'll tell you, if you're like, and you yeah. feel, and you have yeah. something going on in your life, that you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. Um, when I went through that cancer thing, I felt the Holy Spirit. I felt, I was, felt more closer to the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit during that time than I ever did. And you know what? Honestly, I miss that. It's not that I can't have that, but I knew there was a there was something in my life that wasn't right. And I just, but again, like I said, um, it was definitely a growing, grow, a major growing spurt in my life. Uh, people, when we look at people, we go, oh, okay, I see, I see Eric growing or somebody growing. But when you can actually see yourself growing, not, not saying I'm patting myself on the back, that's a major milestone when you actually see your own self. And so I saw a big difference in my life and the way I, what, how I wanted to read my quiet time. So trials, heartaches, punishment, or whatever you want, however he does things to you, it's good for us. <clears throat> it's good for us. We don't like it. It's like when you were a young kid, you got a whipping, you didn't like it. But it's usually for your good, or so they say it was. <laughs> but yeah. Well, as we could see it in the last picture. Yeah. Not saying I, I, you know, I don't want to have it again, but yeah, I don't want to have it. <laughs> Need more. Need more, brother. David, you know, when he stepped out on that water, that was definitely something he had to have. Okay. <laughs> I can honestly say, even if Jesus was standing right there, I really don't think that I would have stepped my foot out there on the water. I mean, I, I, in the, the, the water had not uh, stopped rocking the boat yet. I mean, this was major, this is a major storm and it hadn't stopped yet. I mean, the, the waves are still rocking the boat and filling the boat and whatever else. And, <coughs> right? At the other, mm -hmm. other story there? And that's in that's that's Matthew. Story. That's yeah. Matthew. But I mean, I know, in the Matthew story is what I'm trying to say. It's in the other story. I mean, he... Uh, but see, he had his eyes... Come on. But he had his eyes on Jesus. See, that's all I he saw. He had on Jesus, but still, I mean, but Jesus did not get mad at him. He just said, you know, like he didn't have enough faith. When you put real faith, you know, just like he does to us, there's things that we have never had to encounter before. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get mad at us because we, because we, you know, bent out of shape and we, you know, just fall apart, like he said, you know, until we get focused again. I mean, it just, he doesn't get mad at us. He just, he's there with us. He doesn't leave us and go, you didn't behave properly on the line. He just stays right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, so when Peter starts sinking because he gets his eyes off Jesus, what did Jesus do? He didn't go, oh, no. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't roll his eyes at him or anything. He just his hand out to him. He didn't like that. Right? All the other disciples, they knew better. It always takes a Peter to ask, well, let me come walk out there too. Nobody else knew that you couldn't walk on the water. Took Peter to ask. That, Lord, let me walk out there to you. Come on. That, that, shows, that shows a lot of faith. It does. And, yes. you know, I, I, I remember one time, and I told this story before when we were coming home. Got up in that tree. I was all dead, tired, had these deals. And it was cold outside. And Warner told me to climb out on that limb and I could ride it down. I had no doubt I could do it. Ride it down, man. That, you know, I, had, I had total confidence 
in him. Until I got out on that limb, I heard that thing start to crack. <laughs> and a snap But you didn't see the selfie dad was taking? Like, <laughs> a Larry behind him. You can, you can have a lot, a lot of faith yeah. in somebody. I, I believe Peter had that faith. I believe he, an immediate reaction right faith. There, he, he had that faith because it just seemed to be the 5,000. He had seen, uh, who was it, uh, Jairus' dog raised from the dead. He seen, had seen a lot of stuff, a lot of miracles. And at that at that given time, I think he had faith when Jesus told him to come out. You know, and we can, you know, I, I've experienced that, that type of faith in, in other people, you know. But the, but the difference is, Jesus' faith will never let you down. That's right. You know, true. Other people, other people. That's, I think it's why Peter didn't ask, Can I come out? But he said, Tell me to come out. Yeah. Command me to come yeah. out. Yeah. Lord That's will true. Hold so the last, huh? James, James says at the very beginning, <clears throat> Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith brings about perseverance. And let perseverance have its maturing work so that you may mature and complete lacking time. Um, I had Rick sharing about his story of cancer. I had my, I had a pretty severe trial personally back before the water thing started uh, in 2019. You may remember me talking about the <clears throat> switch to the, the new contract at work. And it was by far and away the most stressful time I've ever had professionally. About six months, um, you know, where I was working with a new company. Uh, he didn't know what he was doing. Government side, and it was a huge mess. Very, very, very stressful time. And uh, <clears throat> the Lord, uh, there were times where I got out of the truck and I didn't want to go to work, which it was more than just, oh, I got something I don't want to do. It was uh, accumulation of the weight of all of this and the possibility that I and everybody else may be out of a job. Because I, I was really thinking there may be a serious uh, uh, possibility of a stop work order from Washington, stop contracts and everything. So um, I remember thinking, you know, okay, Lord, all I can do is take the next step. All I can do is walk the next step. I don't know what, any idea where this day is going. And exactly like Rick said, Holy Spirit, there, full time. And just I'd see people in the hall, oh, I need to talk to that person. I come out of a meeting, there they are. You know, or or just, you know, I need to write, I need to write this massive. Thing, you know, in a short period of time, the words come out. You know, it's just, it was amazing. And uh, and I, I, what what the Lord taught me through that's what James is saying here is, you know, elementary Christianity is okay. Learning to not, you know, buck and chafe under the storm, okay, or, or you know, complain while you're going through. Graduate level is learning to see joy in it. So that when you see it coming, okay, Lord, I know there's something good in here yeah. that you want. 
that's 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 a different look. Have courage, have joy. You take pleasure in uh, in the journey. Circumstances. I think in the magic word in that text is knowing. You can't go because you know what he's doing. Verse 52, last verse of this particular. Were they still didn't understand it, right? They still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. Well, I mean, they they were totally amazed in, in the 51, right? You go through different translations. The English struggled to come up with what that Greek word was. The translation was, was tough. I mean, uh, the Greek word existomy, existomai. It's totally amazed. Uh, Amplified says completely astounded. Another one so baffled they were beside themselves. Uh, CB says completely confused. CV says completely amazed. English revised, utterly astonished. New American Standard. What just happened blew their minds. They were unable to fully comprehend what was happening. They didn't understand who he truly was and were still utterly astonished and totally amazed when Jesus did something God-like. The commentary I'm looking at says the phrase two days and alludes to rebellion, not just ignorance. Total denial of this, of God being, or Jesus being the I am. What Jesus had done and who he was had not completely penetrated their hearts yet. Their minds were closed to who Jesus really was, but he would eventually open them. Even those incredible miracles were not opening their eyes to who Jesus was really yet. Right? So we can we can get on to them, but uh, I don't think we're there yet. And it's the same thing today. The miracles that we see cannot, cannot bring us to the same thing. Is the Holy Spirit having to open the heart and show them? We have all the miracles around us. We still can't see the Holy Spirit. Well, this is funny, kind of a perverted sense with me that uh, when I see these men that were so close to the Savior still having doubts and still having a hard heart, it kind of encourages me. To recognize that God is so patient, so merciful, and and really is working in hearts that are, are in some some ways very stubborn. That's and why I, we don't need to give up on anybody that's thankful that not God. So we're not our normal. We don't know what they're working, how He's working in their heart. And I, I keep going back so to the on the cross. I'm so thankful. Yeah. And I had a whole other study, which I told you about to do. Well, you did a good job. Why did Mark yeah. say they're going to one place? John said they're going to the other place. 
Okay, Mark says, Lord said, get on the boat and go to the Bethsaida. John says, what? Lord says, get on there and go to Genesis Red. Right? And then some of them say, when they finally landed, they got out in what? Capernaum. Where were they going? And what did the Lord really say? And why would they each have a different spot that they were supposed to go to? And why did nobody say they were going to Capernaum? But when they got off the boat, they were in Capernaum. And John strictly said that when he got in the boat, they were they landed where they were headed. Well, where they were headed was supposed to be Bethsaida, right? Because that's what Mark just said. That's another study. That's not the message. Run out of time. This has been the quiet couch over here. You guys been quiet. Not because they didn't have anything. We can get a gold star for being quiet. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling better. Oh, thanks. You want to close this in here? Sure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, David. Father God, we thank you so much um, for this time that we have together to study your word, to, to uh, share with one another. Uh, Lord, you, uh, you illuminate your word to our hearts and to our minds and help us to understand it. And we thank you for that. Uh, we, we thank you, Lord, for your word, and that not only does it educate us, but in many cases, it convicts us. It, it makes us want to examine ourselves, to, make, to feel the need to examine ourselves, our lives, and to, to see where, uh, where we fall short in, in uh, being the kind of people you want us to be, being the most effective Christians that we can that we can be for you and for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the people around us who need the gospel. And we thank you, Lord, for this uh, lesson uh, from the heart of <coughs> Jesus to our hearts. And thank you, and Lord, help us to live it out that, that the kind of faith that you would have us to have. Uh, and Lord, we, we know that these uh, disciples were young in their faith and, and their walk with you. But Lord, uh, you did powerful things in their lives as they matured and as you gave them the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we, we thank you for that. We thank you for the example they are to us. Lord, help us to, um, to be examples to others, especially to those coming up in the faith, coming up in their lives. Help us to be a blessing to them as you are to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.